And so welcome back to our Lady of Good Counsel Retreat House. Father Gallagher is sharing his screen there. So we'll uh, start our second talk and uh, continue the day. So welcome back. <laughs> Again, it seems a little odd to be welcoming you back when I'm standing alone in a, in a room like this, but it's wonderful to be connected um, in this way. So let's just pick up with the uh, letter from Venerable Bruno to Gabriella. And as I mentioned at this point now, he's inviting her throughout the course of the day to lift up her heart gently and with peace to God. It's a wonderful invitation, just as you're heading out the door, beginning a project. Um, sometimes I'll do this just even I finish a phone call and before starting another or walking down a corridor to the next meeting. We have all these spaces in the course of the day where we can do this. And it really does make a difference. Um, we begin to, the day becomes a day in which Jesus, with all the warmth and richness and grace of this, Jesus is really Lord throughout the day, if we use uh, St. Paul's words. Now he speaks to her about mortification. Not something we speak an awful lot about today. We think about in Lent, obviously. And he says, do not forget to make acts of mortification. Now watch, watch how he applies mortification to this busy woman raising children and the thousand occupations of every day. Do not forget to make acts of mortification, especially interior ones. Now, if you look at the manuals, the classic manuals of spiritual life, they'll speak of mortification as exterior and interior. We tend to think of mortification more in the exterior terms. So Lent, for example, and um, you know, avoiding eating certain things or the different penitential practices that we do. But there is also a kind of self-denial, which is spiritually very fruitful that can take place interiorly on the level of the heart. And what Venerable Bruno is saying here to Gabriella essentially is this, your life is already so busy you're pulled in so many directions, there are stresses. I'm not suggesting that you add further things like fasting and so on. They may have their place. But above all, what I'm inviting you to is interior mortification, a mortification of the heart. Now, Venerable Bruno, who knows Gabriella so well, applies this specifically to her need. That is this strong, intelligent, capable woman who can easily become too impatient or sharp, um, I find it hard to show, show warmth and tenderness and so forth. And so he says to her, um, make acts of mortification, especially interior ones for you. This means the effort to live each moment with a gentle and joyful spirit. To live each moment with a gentle and joyful spirit. Uh, what's coming to mind as I'm saying this is a conversation with a, a priest. He was a religious. He lived with other priests. And um, he told me that the others with whom he lived noticed that whenever he came back from spiritual direction, he would always be more peaceful. Um, and if it got to a point where he was getting bothered or irritated or whatever by various things, at some point, somebody would say to him, isn't it time for you to go to spiritual direction? And I suspect that when Gabriella got these letters from Venerable Bruno or in their occasional meetings, the family would have seen the difference because this was a woman who really did love the Lord and wanted to live uh, close to the Lord, live a genuine holy life. 
they would see the additional and the renewed effort to try to be gentle and joyful in the family. And you can imagine just the, the harmony, the peace and the goodness that that would bring the encouragement into the lives of the other family members with whom she lives. Now he uses his strongest language in the letter, for the love of God. So this is the strongest motive he knows. For the love of God, I beg of you. So this is said as insistently as he can say it. So what's going to follow? What is it that he's asking of her for the love of God? Not asking, begging of her for the love of God. For the love of God, I beg of you to wage continual warfare against negative moods. Don't ever, this is a bad day, I'm out of sorts. It's just, don't, don't, don't ever just accept that. This is the one place where we can speak of war in the spiritual life when we're battling these kinds of things and war is the right word and continual war. Just don't ever stop waging this war against these kinds of negative moods. Don't ever simply allow yourself to sink into them and let them color a day or days or even longer, if I may say it reverently. Wage continual warfare against negative moods. I think that's probably a good thing for us to hear in these days when so many avenues of sharing with others and so forth have been taken from us. And then these next words are probably the most classic of his entire spiritual teaching and never fail to begin again. In fact, these words are, are so begin again. These words are so key that I use them uh, as the title of the biography of Venerable Bruno, Begin Again, The Life and Spiritual Legacy of Bruno Lanteri. Never fail to begin again. Now, those two words, begin again, mean an awful lot in the spiritual life. Venerable Bruno often quotes them in the Latin, which means, now I begin. And that comes from Psalm 77, verse 10. Now, this is in the Latin Vulgate translation. We have different translations today. In Venerable Bruno's time, the Bible was used in the Latin, and it was the Vulgate translation, which he knew and used. Today, the translations are made directly from the Hebrew. And so if you go to Psalm 77, verse 10, you won't find these words in this way. But what you will find is the movement of the Psalm, that these words, num uh, in the Latin, or begin again, uh, signify for Venerable Bruno. In, in Psalm 77, you have a, a person who is discouraged, and things just seem to get darker and darker and more and more discouraged for this person. You know, since I uh, have begun public speaking, I've really come to love water, to be grateful for water. Um, St. Francis of Assisi in his Canticle of the Creatures has a lovely description of water. Praise be my Lord for our sister Aqua, Sor Aqua. And he says, which is very humble, chaste, useful and precious. I think it's the most lovely description of water in uh, all of literature, but water is a wonderful thing. All right. Um, begin again. Psalm 77, discouragement that just seems to be darkening and deepening. And then suddenly, as it were, out of nowhere, we have this whole infusion of fresh energy and new hope and a new beginning. And the Latin phrase sort of encapsulates that, tum pixi, nunc chepi. Then I said, now I begin. And that's what Venerable Bruno is, is capturing uh, in these words, beginning again. 
when you feel discouraged, you feel like you failed, like you've uh, just let the Lord down, you've done it again, nothing seems to be changing. And it would be so easy just to sink into discouragement. Never fail to begin again. Never fail to begin again. I have seen these, this more than invitation, this strong urging and counsel of Venerable Bruno. I've seen this give hope to so many people. I was at a large celebration, a con-celebrated mass uh, not so long ago. And uh, we were in the, in the vesting area before the mass, a number of priests. And I met a priest whom I'd known a few years earlier, a young priest. And uh, we got talking and uh, he asked what I was writing. Well, it was the time when I was writing this book on overcoming spiritual discouragement. And he, uh, he lit up when I told him that. He said, Nunc Chepi, uh, now I begin. And I said, how did you know about that? Well, he had made a retreat at our Oblate Retreat House just outside of Boston. And on the walls of the retreat house, they have sayings of Venerable Bruno framed. And he'd seen those words over and over again over the course of the day, days. And it was the main thing, really, that he took with him from the retreat. Never fail to begin again. It says this. There is nowhere you can ever have been in your spiritual life. Nothing you can ever have done in your spiritual life, in the past or present, that can ever stop you right now from turning to God. And if you need it, asking for a forgiveness that he delights to give, that he is eager to give, that we give him joy when we ask it, and then beginning again. There is never, ever, ever anything in the way of that. There is never a door that is finally closed in the spiritual life. It is never, quote, too late in the spiritual life. Nothing can ever stop us right now, as often as we need to, from beginning again. And we'll see Venerable Bruno in other letters, if we get to them, he'll, he'll say to people, begin again every hour of the day. Uh, we'll, we'll, I think we will get to a text where he'll say of himself, if I should fall a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day, I'll begin again. I was sharp and impatient this morning, not once, but five times at work with my children, with, with my husband, with family, with friends, and again this afternoon, again and again. If I should fall a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day, I'll begin again. One time when we were doing a sharing on this teaching, uh, one of the participants said, you know, I used to think that I'd get to the latter part of the day and I realized that things didn't go so well, maybe my prayer or um, oh, whatever it might have been. And I'd kind of sigh and say, well, today didn't go so well, but tomorrow's a new day. And then said, but now I realize I don't have to wait till tomorrow. I can begin right now. That's exactly where Venerable Bruno is with Gabriella here. Never fail to begin again. So wage continual warfare against negative moods. But if you don't, if you fail, if you give into it, if you are sharp, if you are impatient, if you aren't consistently faithful to the 15 minutes and the one page and all the rest of it, don't ever allow yourself simply to sink into discouragement. Never fail to begin again, and you can begin again right now. And you can begin again as often as you need. I never finish anymore because one thing brings another to mind, but I will share this with you. Um, this was a Sunday morning and I was about to head out to the parish 
where uh, I would be celebrating masses and spending the day with the people. Looking forward to it very much. And in uh, our community, I was in Boston at the time, on the fifth floor of this um, community residence was a small community chapel. And I can still see myself sitting in this chapel in the time of prayer before heading to the car and off to the parish. And looking out the window, it was a gray overcast November day, cool. And uh, getting ready to finish the time of prayer and realizing that there was a weight on my heart, not an overwhelming weight. Uh, it certainly wouldn't stop me from going about the day and just being happy to be with the people. But kind of like those clouds, it could just sort of build a film of grayness into the day. And so I stopped, went back and sat before the Blessed Sacrament just to see if I could see what was going on here. And then it clicked. The preceding day, someone had asked for my help in something and I just hadn't responded. And there'd been that little lingering film of grayness in my heart since then. And suddenly it dawned on me, this is exactly what Venerable Bruno is speaking about when he speaks at the beginning again. People who love the Lord, good people who want to be faithful to God, but have their limitations and their failings and have to recognize that here it is again. And then they have a choice. They can either simply allow the film of grayness, the discouragement to stay in their hearts and burden the day. It won't stop them, but it will burden them, sap their spiritual energy. Or they can do what he's proposing, turn to God ask for a forgiveness that he delights to give. That's the whole point of Luke chapter 15, the three parables of mercy. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. The father who runs, who embraces, who celebrates. And then beginning again. And I found myself doing that with the deepened awareness that God, who is, has infinite resource, would easily open up again that opportunity for me. I knew then that the day would now be different because I would go to it, but I would go to it without that film of grayness and discouragement. And this is what Venerable Bruno is encouraging Gabriella to do and don't ever fail to do it. This would be another takeaway if we simply took that little sentence that you're looking at right now, never fail to begin again, or even more briefly, just these two words, begin again. That would be a blessing. I have many people now since the book came out last fall telling me, with emails and as I meet them of just what this teaching of Venerable Bruno means for them. Please take it to heart. Uh, it, it, it will set you free from so much discouragement and set you free to love the Lord in a beautiful way. Begin again. Okay, now again we almost have a kind of um, of a domestic question and answer here. So implicitly this is what Venerable Bruno will sense in Gabriella's heart, and maybe in the hearts of those of us sharing this day together now. Venerable Bruno, all of this is beautiful. This Eucharist and meditation, spiritual reading, frequently raising your heart, gentleness, peace, beginning again, all of this. It's all beautiful. And I know people who live this. And I know people who would take this in deeply and they would be changed and live holy lives. But I'm not like that. I'm not that holy. Okay, 
Thunder Wabuno will reverence that space in our hearts, but you already know enough about him to know he's not gonna leave us there. And so he says to her, do not wait. I just wanna highlight those words. It's that begin and immediately do not wait. When you see where God is leading, don't wait. Do not wait until you have devotion to begin these things. Do not wait until you have devotion to begin these things. But just to say, this program of spiritual life, of faithful, faithful daily prayer, of living the day frequently with gentleness and peace with God and, and all the growth that he's speaking about, you don't do that because you're already holy. That's what he means by devotion here. You could speak of until you have warmth or spiritual consolation or stirrings of holiness and desires in your heart. Don't wait until you feel that in your heart to begin these things. Begin even without devotion. Even if your heart feels dry and you're not even sure you can do these things well, and will I even persevere? Uh, why start something that I may not even be able to sustain? I don't even know how to meditate. All the different kinds of things that, that the enemy, uh, to use Ignatius' term, the tempter will try to insinuate to discourage us from something that can make such a difference. Um, I don't feel any of that. I'm not at this level. Begin without it. And why? Because as he says, devotion, that is holiness, warmth, a sense of God's closeness, desire, energy for spiritual things. Devotion must be the fruit, the result, and not the cause of these practices. Which in a lovely way says that this kind of daily spiritual life is accessible and available and open to every one of us. And that if we live this way, that kind of devotion or holiness or new closeness with God is going to result. Right, devotion must be the fruit and not the cause of the practices I have recommended. For the rest, you know that true devotion, and he's using devotion here in the sense of St. Francis de Sales, that is holiness we would probably say today. You know that true devotion consists in readiness to be faithful to the Lord and not in sentiment. I hope that you will soon send me consoling news in this regard. He hopes to receive a letter from her uh, in this regard. So let's pull together the program of spiritual life that Venerable Bruno has shaped for Gabriella and today by extension uh, to us all. You know, it runs through my mind as I say this. Venerable Bruno wrote this letter over 200 years ago. Never ever remotely dreaming that in a different part of the world, in a different language, and certainly not uh, via, via the internet, this many people would be reading these words and benefiting from the spiritual direction that he gave to this woman. We never know how far the good we do will go. God does know it. We never do. But God who sees the big picture sees so much more than we could ever possibly see. Uh, which is such an encouragement just as simply as he, to use Venerable Bruno's own words, just to be consistently faithful with what we're doing every day uh, in, in the service of the Lord. So let's pull together what Venerable Bruno says to Gabriella. <clears throat> Choose solid spiritual practices. So, Mass, 
meditation, spiritual direction, the various things that we've seen. Choose a sustainable amount of time for them. So not, a, not an amount of time that we can only manage by the white knuckling or exhausted energy that I've mentioned before. Remember that everything with gentleness and with peace. Choose a sustainable amount of time for them. And I would say this, if you're not sure what is the appropriate sustainable amount of time for you in your circumstances, let's say for meditation or uh, spiritual reading and so forth, then my suggestion is to choose less rather than more. You can always add more as the Lord shows you as you go forward. Choose solid practices, a sustainable amount of time, and then be faithful consistently faithful, don't give up. And you'll be able to be faithful because what you're doing is solid, you'll, you'll, you'll experience its fruitfulness. And it's also sustainable because you've chosen wisely an amount of time that you can do. I uh, had a meeting once with a physical therapist and, uh, and uh, he gave me a, a various exercises to do. And uh, I had to say, you know, if you give me too much to do, I'm not going to sustain it. But if you give me a few things that really make a difference, that I'll do. When you realize, when we realize that spiritual practices we've chosen are really making a difference and that we're doing them in a way that fits uh, with relative ease into our day, then we're going to sustain it. And that's why Venerable Bruno at this point says, be faithful. So you can see this spirituality is not by any means a lowering of the bar. What it's doing is it's a spirituality that is sustainable because a person has chosen solid exercises and a sustainable amount of time for them. Okay, and then he says, be faithful for them, be faithful to them. All right, what happens uh, if it falls apart? The day went by, I didn't meditate, I didn't get the spiritual reading done, uh, I didn't wage war against negative moods and all the rest of that. If you fail, and we will fail at times, this is just our human up and down reality. If you fail, don't ever simply give in to discouragement and kind of say, well, I made an effort, it didn't go anywhere. I guess I'm not made for this. If you fail, begin again. And then finally, as we've been saying, do everything gently and with peace. So let's just look at that for a moment. I'm just going to be silent briefly. And I'd invite us just to look at that and just let the Lord speak our hearts through Venerable Bruno's program. Let's continue in the letter. He moves now toward his conclusion. Imagine uh, saying all of this in a letter. Uh, I, I ask you to give my greetings to Father Cesare, so we don't know who this priest is, um, and to tell him that I would be happy to see him here. Venerable Bruno worked with many priests, and that I always hope to be able one day to visit with him there. This is where you get the sense that the visits were not that frequent. For the present, tell Father Ferrero, so the priest who is now making the Mass available to her. Tell Father Ferrero that even though I have not yet had the joy of meeting him, I ask him to give you no rest in committing yourself to practicing all that I have just recommended to you and to call you strictly to account. 
So that's the fidelity. And do it, do it faithfully every day. And I will be grateful to him for this. I bless you with all your family. I recommend myself to your prayers and I am with the highest esteem and respect, your servant and father in Jesus Christ, Father Lanteri, etc. All right, let's uh, look at a, a second letter. And this is now in a different setting. This is a little over a year later. And uh, Gabriella's son, Clemente, who is 16 years old at this time, is studying in Turin, where Venerable Bruno is. And Clemente is about to return home to visit the family. So Venerable Bruno takes the opportunity to send a letter to Gabriella. So now, by contrast with the preceding letter, in that letter, he was responding to a letter from her. Here, he's just taking an opportunity to send some spiritual encouragement to her rather than responding to a letter from her. So he writes, Madame, uh, French, this correspondence took place in French. That was the, um, the inter international language of the day, as English might much more be today, for example. Madame, I would like to use this opportunity of the departure from Turin of Monsieur, your son, for some profit, but I do not know of what I should speak, since he hasn't heard from her. So I will take a sure course. So since he's not responding to something from her, he's just going to uh, focus on things that he knows are solid and important. And you can already predict from the other letter a number of the things he's going to say. I, so I will take a sure course, and that is to counsel you to begin each day. There it is again. And this time it's the first thing that he says to her. Because he knows that she, like us, can get discouraged day after day. So many struggles uh, at home, um, sufferings of the church, the, everything is upside down in the, in the nation. Um, all of these struggles, the uncertainties for the future, it's so easy to get discouraged. And so the very first thing that he says to her, not knowing uh, precisely what her situation is, don't, be, don't give in to that and begin each day. And as we said elsewhere, he'll say even a thousand times a day if we need it. Uh, I'm sorry, I skipped something here. Ought I um, should I praise you for your fidelity to God? Ought I chide you? I do not know it all, so I will take a sure course and that is to counsel you to begin each day. Abandoning the past to the Lord's mercy and the future to his divine providence. Abandoning the past to the Lord's mercy. This is another deep, deep thing in the spiritual life. Are there hurts from the past? Have we made wrong choices in the past? Have there been consequences from these? Do our hearts still hurt with the weight of these things? And so Venerable Bruno says, don't simply carry that. Abandon all of that from the past, where, to whom, to what? To the Lord and specifically to the Lord's mercy. Abandon the past to the Lord's mercy. If we could only do that, how much freedom would come into our hearts and there is no better place to place our past, to abandon or surrender our past, than to give it over to the Lord and specifically to the Lord's mercy. This is the parish church of St. John Vianney, the holy uh, cure uh, of, of, of ours in France. 
actually you can see where you, where you see the um, the open door toward the uh, the back of the picture. You can see there's a larger space inside because there were so many pilgrims. Uh, they opened up that space in the smaller original church to accommodate the pilgrims. In the uh, Saint John Vianney's day, the church would have closed right without open doors, and the altar would have been there. You can see the pulpit on the side, and the confessionals are blocked. Uh, so we can't see those. Those are a little more off to the side. Excuse me. <clears throat> At this point in his life, uh, tens and even hundreds of thousands of people were coming in the course of a year to go to confession to this saintly priest or to, to be present and hear him speak or be at mass. He would rise very early in the morning, in the early hours of the morning, uh, would go over to the confessional, the lines would already be formed. Sometimes people would wait three days in line to get the confession to him. He would hear confessions until uh, morning arrived, uh, would go out for the celebration of mass, return to the confessional, and then in late morning around 11 o'clock would come out of the confessional again and would go up the pulpit that you see there in front of the packed church. And he would give these uh, catechetical talks that people grew to love. And at this point, he had no time at all to prepare them. He would simply speak from his heart. And in one of these talks, he said this, our sins are as grains of sand. There's a finger many times um, magnified and there's a single grain of sand, which I think you can see on the top of that finger. Our sins are as grains of sand compared to the mountain of the mercy of God. Our sins are as grains of sand compared to the mountain of the mercy of God. Sometimes I just think about that. You know, when failings and sins weigh on our hearts, just to think about that. Our faults, our sins are as grains of sand compared to the infinite reach to the mountain of the mercy of God. In the movie, The Mission, that was maybe, it was in the, in the 1980s, that movie came out. There is a moment when uh, this man whom you see here, who has lived a pretty bad life. He's been a slave trader and a lot of other things, and most recently has murdered his brother. And he's had um, a conversion of heart, a repentance. And he is on his way to leave all of that and to join the mission where the Jesuit fathers are working with the native people. And what he's done is he has gathered together his uh, swords and armor and everything that symbolizes his past and uh, put it all together, wrapped it up in a net, tied it with a rope, and he is dragging this um, unwieldy um, bundle of his past along with him on his way up the slope that will lead him to the uh, and to, to join the Jesuits and the mission for what he hopes is a new life. So symbolically what he's doing is bringing his whole past with him. And I have a three minute clip from the movie that I'll invite you just to watch uh, at this point. The uh, others, others that you see are Jesuit priests who are watching this.
Abandon the past to God's mercy. Let it go. Abandon the past to the Lord's mercy. It's a weight the Lord doesn't want you to carry. Let it go. Leave it to the Lord's mercy. And this is what Venerable Bruno is saying now to Gabriella. And each of us will hear this in his or her own way. As the Lord speaks to you, let him speak these words of freedom. Abandon the past to the Lord's mercy. He doesn't want you to be carrying that weight. Our sins are as grains of sand compared to the mountain of the mercy of God. And he says to her, abandon the future to his divine providence. Now, this is written in the years of the occupation when the church is being oppressed and persecuted. Very shortly, the Holy Father will be taken prisoner. Everything is uncertain as regards the future. They've been evicted from their own property. They have no clear sense of what will lie ahead. And Venerable Bruno says to her, who lives in circumstances so similar to ours in so many ways, leave the future to his divine providence. The best place you can leave your past is in his mercy. And the best place you can leave your future is in his divine providence. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by the right path. And you can see the peace that will come into our hearts. I, I think about this as at times in, in the present circumstances when so many things are changed and uh, uncertain. Leave the future to his divine providence. That's what he's saying to her. He, he loves you. He'll be with you. And let your heart not be oppressed. Abandoning the past to the Lord's mercy and the future to his divine providence. In the meantime, reflect each day that you are entrusted with a mission by the good God. Reflect each day. So this, he wants her to be thinking about this every day. And I'd say all of us, the same thing. Reflect that you are entrusted, and reflect on this every day, that you are entrusted with a mission by the good God. That God has given you a purpose, a meaning, something to accomplish in this world that he's not given to anyone else. And remember, live your life each day as a yes to the mission that God has given you. I want, um, th this is from... Uh, another little note of a uh, handwritten note from uh, after a meeting with Venerable Bruno. So this time, Gabriella did meet with him in person. And uh, she jotted down afterwards some of the things that he had said to her. We have these letters because after Venerable Bruno's death, when the Oblates were gathering material for a biography and eventually with a view to a process of canonization, they wrote to people whom they knew had received letters from Venerable Bruno and asked if they'd be willing to send in those letters. 
Gabriella's daughter-in-law went through uh, Gabriella's papers and found these letters and sent them to the Albites, which is why we have them. But amongst her papers, he also, she also found this slip of paper uh, with this. So Venerable Bruno's counsel to her to carry out every occupation and temporal matter. So the many things of every day, um, getting meals, taking care of a house, uh, work and all that goes with it, family issues, uh, shopping, just all the thousand things that financial issues, all the thousand things that are a part of every day to carry out every occupation and temporal matter that may arise as if fulfilling a task given me by God. What if we did the things we do every day with that consciousness that we're fulfilling a task given to us by God? And to consider that the entire day is a mission given to me by God. That's the same counsel that he's giving you here. Reflect each day that you are entrusted with a mission by the good God. Now I wanna quote these famous words often quoted from St. John Henry Newman. And this is in a meditation on creation as a source of hope. The fact that we are the loving fruit of God's creation um, engenders so much hope in us. But in the course of this meditation, uh, speaking in the voice of the person reading, uh, John Newman, John Henry Newman says the following. <clears throat> God has created me to do him some definite service. So let's just see that first sentence and every one of us hear that as true individually for him or her. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. So, to be the mother of these children, the father of these children, the husband of this wife, the wife of this husband, to do this work, interacting with these people, to live in this place, in these conditions of health, with these relationships, in this time in world history, in this nation, he has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. And then I love these last four words. I have my mission. Every one of us can say that. That God has brought us into the world in this time, in these circumstances, because he gave to each of us a mission that he has not given to anyone else. St. John Paul II used to use these words often in speaking of every human being. Each one of us is unique and unrepeatable. These are beautiful words, unique. There's no other you that ever has been, there never will be. And each one of us is unrepeatable. Again, there never will be another one of us. It's the root of that dignity of the human person of which he often spoke. And each of us uniquely and unrepeatably has a mission that God has given us in this world. So when, for example, the angel Gabriel visits Mary and asks her to be the mother of God, she is unique and unrepeatable. There's no other Mary. We have that famous homily of St. Bernard, in which he images the moment when the angel has asked Mary to say yes to be the mother of God. 
And for a moment, she's silent. And he says, don't be silent. Speak. Say yes. The whole world waits for you. Yes. So much depends upon it. That's true in our different circumstances of every one of us. When God's grace touches a young man who becomes later St. Francis of Assisi, there's no other Francis of Assisi. And he says, yes, he fulfills the mission that God has given him with the fruit that we know. These are the parents of St. Therese of the child Jesus, now canonized St. Celie and St. Louis Martin. They just lived just. They lived a married life. They raised children. They loved them. They had busy days of work. He was a jeweler and a watchmaker. She had a lace making business. They raised their children, the five daughters who survived. And look at the fruit of it. Pius X, St. Pius X spoke of their daughter, Therese, as the greatest saint of modern times. The second one of their daughters now is a servant of God. Her cause of canonization has been begun, Leonie. There was no other Zelie and Louis. And so you can put your picture in that frame. You are un unique and unrepeatable. You have a mission from God. And so Venerable Bruno says to Gabriella, remember this every day. Think about this every day, that you have a mission from the good God and you're called to live it. Fulfill your daily tasks as a yes to God, knowing that it's God who's given them to you. I'll, I'll just say personally, I wish I thought about this more often. I wish I thought about it not only daily, but many times a day. Because when you do, you live the same things very differently. And that's in what holiness consists, as Venerable Bruno says elsewhere, uh, not in doing different things, but in doing the same things differently, doing them with love, doing them as a yes to God. And that's what he's enjoining on Gabriella at this point. Each of us is unique and unrepeatable. Each of us can say, I have my mission. Another way to express this is from uh, by our Paul, uh, Paul, Pope Francis's recent document on holiness, Rejoice and Be Glad, where he speaks about holiness in the, in the things of every day. So he speaks of holiness in those parents who raise their children with immense love. Parents who raise their children with immense love, I'll be forever grateful to my parents. Many of us um, know that kind of holiness. We've seen it. Holiness in those men and women who work hard to support their families. And there'll be many listening today who do work hard in this way. And it's a path to holiness. Holiness in the sick who try not to be overwhelmed, who do their best to be cheerful, to be grateful for the help they receive, not to give in to discouragement, to turn toward the Lord in prayer beautiful form of holiness. In elderly religious, and I'd say lay people who never lose their smile. We love elderly people like this. They're a source of encouragement to us all. They're pillars of strength in the world today. Very often it is a holiness found in our next door neighbors. Sometimes you meet people like this, you know, it may be somebody, a parking lot attendant um, or somebody in a store. Uh, or in any circumstances, but you see a particular warmth, a smile, a willingness to help, which is really very beautiful. It's that holiness of which the Pope is speaking here. Those who living in our midst reflect God's presence. 
We might call them the middle class of holiness and we're all called to that. One last thing I'll share along these lines. I had just finished celebrating a funeral and it was a full church. And this was a woman uh, who was a mother, grandmother and great grandmother. And the church was filled with uh, her family, much loved, very faithful Catholic woman of prayer, faithful to her family uh, throughout all of her life. And um, we had I to... pulled up some images for you. Okay, Gary, I may need your help here. Okay, and I had um, just um, finished the, the, the mass and was standing in front of the church afterwards, uh, just talking to people. There was a man there who had learned in the course of the mass as people had spoken um, about this woman. And he, he said these words to me, which I've never forgotten. This is one more of those saints who will not be canonized. And that's what we're all called to be. So reflect every day, he says to Gabriella and to us, that you've been given a mission by the good God and live the activities of each day as a yes to your unique and unrepeatable presence and dignity in the world. Um, we're just gonna go just a couple more minutes and then we'll move toward our break and mass. So he says to her, in regard to your temporal affairs, this, when I saw this, I kind of said, well, in regard to your temporal affairs, so that's finances, property, all the many things we deal with, work, in regard to your temporal affairs, never let anything trouble you. That's really a pretty high degree of surrender to God that he's asking over here. Never let anything trouble you and the same with respect to your faults, taking care to counteract them immediately by an act of the love of God. Now, I've, I've put this uh, picture here of Luke chapter five. This is Peter in the catch of fish when the boat is filled almost to swamping and Peter now realizes in the sign of the fish that the divine has come close to him in Jesus of Nazareth and feels what we often feel when we sense the approach of God's love. He falls on his knees there in the boat and he says to the Lord, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I'm not good enough to be this close to you. And I've always loved Jesus' response to him because Jesus doesn't argue with Peter. He simply says the one thing Peter needs to hear more than anything else and that we need to hear, do not be afraid and confirms his belonging with him in his mission as a fisher of men. And this is what Gabriel, what Benu Bruno is saying to Gabriella, don't ever let anything trouble you, not even your own faults, which if I may say it reverently, I think for most of us is the deepest source of our fear. I'm not what you want me to be, Lord. I'm less than you want me to be. Never let anything trouble you, not even your own faults. You could really hear that. So that's what we shouldn't do. Let our faults trouble you. There is something that we should do when we feel the burden of our faults and failings. So that never let anything trouble you. Um, and the same with respect to your faults, taking care to counteract them when? Immediately. Taking care to counteract them immediately by an act of the love of God. I'll, I'll conclude with this. So when you, feel, when you feel the burden of our faults, rather than just letting that weigh and discourage us and be, 
burden our hearts. Turn right away, immediately, don't wait to God and just tell him that you love him. Look at Peter by the lakeshore after Easter. He who has denied the Lord so blatantly three times in the time of trial. And how does the Lord forgive? How does the Lord lift that burden by just letting him tell him, letting Peter tell him of his love for him? Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Taking care to counteract them immediately by an act of the love of God. 